Now presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by our special guest. We have a very special service for you today. This is what we call the five on five. So it's five different speakers, five different messages. I believe the Lord's going to bless you today. Hey, if you can do me a quick favor, if you can SOS, scoot over some just a little bit so we can make some room for people who are standing in the back, I would really, really appreciate that. So if you've got a free seat, if you can scoot to the middle, that would really, really help us a lot. Hey, I want to take just a minute in the service and, and just highlight something for you. It's called Alpha Ministry. You saw it in the announcements today. And uh, Alpha is, it's really the primary focus of outreach for us right now at Generation Church. And so we are doing something called the Taste of Alpha. It's this Tuesday. And it's an opportunity for you to come and just get a taste of what the ministry is like. And uh, you get to eat free dinner. It doesn't obligate you to anything except free dinner. You don't even have to love Jesus to eat free dinner, right? You just come. And, and so it gives you an opportunity just to see what the, the ministry is all about. And people are getting saved. Alpha, by its very nature, answers the hard questions. It helps people get where they need to go and understand what a relationship with Jesus is like. So Tuesday night, right here at Generation Church, how many guys think you would come out for that? Come on, sign up. So there are going to be clipboards. Thank you. There are going to be clipboards that are passing around through the next few minutes. So make sure you sign up for that. And then let's gear up for prayer and fasting on the 18th. You guys ready? All right. Hey, listen, it is, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to me to introduce to you guys five speakers. You know, we have a heart at Generation Church to train up the next generation. And if I preach every single weekend, how are we going to give them another chance? We've got to give some people an opportunity, the next generation, to do it. And so I want you guys to sit back, relax, enjoy yourself. This is the five on five. Five different speakers, five different messages, but one heart of God to you today. Join me in giving your best welcome to our first speaker, Natalia Clement. Generation family, you look good. You look real good. Are you excited to be in the house of God today? I love my church. I know that when I walk in, I know that Jesus is the guest of honor in this place. Amen. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so honored to be speaking on the five uh, for the five on five. Um, so I started a new hobby recently. I actually, I started boxing. I brought my pink gloves to prove it because I didn't think you'd believe me. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, I, you know, actually, I have three older brothers, so it's not like I just started boxing. I just do it for fun now. Um, but I just realized boxing is a challenge. And I realized that um, I didn't really, I didn't really know how to fight. I thought I did, but I've had to learn how to fight. And so in the same way, when I parallel that with my spiritual life, um, I realized I didn't even know how to fight in my spiritual life. I knew how to avoid I knew how to survive, but I didn't know how to fight. And so I wanted to share some things that God has been teaching me lately. Um, so the first thing I learned is that you have to train. When I first started boxing, I mean, I was pathetic. I only went like two rounds. It was, it was really sad. So I had to train my body um, to, to withhold, you know, to have endurance. And so in the same way, in Hebrews, it talks about that we need to run this race with endurance. And that we have to, to train ourselves. It's not just reading the word of God, but it is equipping ourselves with the word of God. How many of you guys know that life is, like, is a battle? Ephesians 6 says that, that we need to put on the armor of God because we need to be ready for the battle that is going to come. Because it's coming. 
And so I just, I encourage you that even though life can be exhausting, we weren't meant to live it exhausted, but so that when we equip ourselves and we remind ourselves of the word of God. The second thing I learned is that it is all about technique. I used to think that um, it was all about these amazing punches. You know, I've, I've watched Rocky 1 through 20. Sylvester Stallone, his face is like melting, right? <laughs> um, but I realized that it's actually on the footwork. It's the balance that's the key to give you power in your punches. And so um, I actually had to let somebody watch me and tell me what I was doing wrong. In the same way, when we allow somebody into our lives to walk alongside of us and instruct us and hold us accountable and love us, we only become better. How do we do this? Sign up for life groups. This is my shameless plug for life groups. I lead life groups. I love them. But the reason why is because my life was changed by life groups. I'm here today speaking on the stage because a group of women spoke into my life and told me my identity in Christ. And I'm forever changed. I encourage you, at Generation Church, we have the most kind, the most generous, the most trustworthy life group leaders. So I encourage you to, to just... Be better. Sign up for a life group. The, th <laughs> the third thing that I, that I learned is um, more than just knowing who my opponent is, I know who my opponent is. I know, who the, I know it's the enemy. We know, right? But it's knowing my, my weaknesses and my strengths. I'm going to show you a boxing example. I'm, I'm about to impress you. Um, so let's say I'm going up against somebody who's taller than me, right? Um, first thing you're going to think of... That, Think of Rocky IV, okay? So um, the first thing you see is I'm vertically challenged. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to take my weakness and turn it into my strength. I'm going to go for the gut. I'm, I'm, I'm all in it. And this person is going to have a hard time because they're punching down. Their blows are going to be ineffective. What did I do? I just took my weaknesses and I turned them into my strengths. In the same way, when the enemy wants to defeat you and discourage you and remind you of these core lies... Take those weaknesses and turn them into your strengths. I'm so encouraged by what Pastor Rick Warren said um, after the tragic suicide of his son. He said on that day that Satan had just met his greatest enemy. What could he have done? He could have let it cripple his ministry, destroy his life. But instead, he turned that weakness into his greatest strength. I encourage you today that if you are feeling defeated, if you started off 2014 and you're feeling defeated and discouraged, begin to train. Begin to equip yourself with the word of God. Remind yourself of the word of God. And if you are, if you are fighting, don't give up. Finish the race strong. I love you guys. That's my five. Good morning, Generation Church. All right, hallelujah. My name is uh, Adair Barton, and uh, I'm one of the volunteers here at GC Kids uh, on Sunday mornings. And so, hallelujah. For those of you that have children, we love your children. And I also am a volunteer for the Alpha Ministries on Tuesdays night. So, uh, this is my shameless plug. Please come Tuesday night. <laughs> we would love to have you there for both physical food and spiritual food. It really changes your life, not just uh, the, the guests that you might bring, but I know that you will be impacted. My wife and I were very impacted over this last time. So this morning, I want to tell you a quick story about something that happened to me. Several years ago, my family and I were living in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I had a great job 
We lived in a really nice neighborhood. In fact, we lived just a few streets away from several of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I went to a wonderful church. And yet Satan began to attack me with anxiety. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about be anxious for nothing. So here I was in Dallas, Texas. As I said, my life was going great. And all of a sudden, I had these things where I would wake up in the middle of the night, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I would just stare at the ceiling, you know, thinking about my job, thinking about my career, thinking about my children. What am I doing the right thing for my children? And all these things began to attack me. Anxiety began to come upon me. And I don't know if that uh, relates to anybody here, if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night with a panic attack or not. But this thing went on not just for one night or two nights, week after week, and it bled into several months. And I began to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what is this? Why am I dealing with this anxiety? And so I went to the Word of God, and I found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that the Bible says that we are to be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And that's my word of encouragement to you this morning. We're going to kind of unpack this as Pastor Ben says. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so this morning, if you've had uh, anxiety attacks, or maybe you're a, a fearful person, a worryful person, you, you wonder about the, the, how your children are going to make it in this life, or maybe you have an elderly parent who you're trying to take care of, whatever it may be, whatever circumstances you are facing right now and will face in the future, God wants you to know that he wants you to come to him, let him know the things that you're worried about. He's the one that put this in the Bible. By the way, we didn't put this in the Bible, right? He said, come to me and make your requests known unto me. I want you to see a couple quick things about this. It says, be anxious for nothing. And I know sometimes we read in the Bible, you know, we, we interpret the Bible the way we see it. But be anxious for nothing. Well, surely he didn't mean I didn't have to be anxious about my career. Surely he didn't mean I didn't have to be anxious about my children, about my marriage, about, you know, the economy, the politics, whatever's going on. Somehow we justify, well, it's okay if I worry a little bit. Maybe be fearful a little bit. But he's saying, let take all those things that would drag you down in life. Take all those things that would pull you down and destroy you and bring those things to me. The Bible actually says, casting all of your cares upon me. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. My message this morning is be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But take it all to God. Let your request be made known unto him. There's a key word in that verse. It says supplication. With prayer and supplication, make your request made known unto God. Supplication is a petition. And I don't know if you've ever petitioned anything. Maybe petitioned the government. Maybe petitioned a friend or something. But a petition is a well-thought-out plea. It is saying, God, this is what I need for my life. I have anxiety over this credit card bill. Or I have anxiety over a parent who may be sick and, and in the hospital. I have anxiety over whatever it is. Take that anxiety and say, Lord, in your word, I know there are promises that are bigger than this problem, okay? This problem has got me worried, but I know there are promises bigger than the problem. And so when you do that and you request unto God, the cool thing is he listens to us and he fulfills those requests because the next verse says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall guide your heart or keep your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this message this morning from me to you is be anxious for nothing. 
Don't be fearful. Take what gets you fearful and give it to God and he will fulfill all your needs and carry you to the next level. My name's Adair and that's my five. Generation Church, good morning. morning. Knock, knock. Awesome. Some things demand a response, right? Just like that. Some things demand a response. Like when you're hungry, what do you do? You eat. When you're really, really hungry, I'm talking about like when you're driving home from work, you you miss lunch, you're, you're really hungry, your stomach starts to eat itself, you begin to foam out the mouth, you hallucinate sometimes. You guys ever been there? Okay. All right. I'm not the only one who hallucinates. Um, <laughs> Well, that hunger, like, when you're, when you're really, really hungry and you start to do all those things, all those things are coming against you, you, became, you become anxious, you become like, you start to worry, oh my gosh, I'm going to pass out or something, right? But then you got to realize, that hunger, it, it's, it's going to be there, it's going to always be there, but whatever you put in your body, that, that makes a big difference. So when you're driving and you're hungry and you see the Burger King... You don't pass it. You don't say, oh, I'm good. I ate two weeks ago. No. You settle. You go there. You say, let me get a number everything, right? <laughs> you go in there to have it your way. But the king of kings wants us to keep driving and have some Yahweh. All right? So <laughs> have some Yahweh, right? Because the things of God, they last. We all like things that last, right? Yeah. Things that last like your car. You want your car to last. You don't want your car to break down on the middle side of the road. You don't want your your dog to die. You don't want your birds to die. You want things that last. We like those things, right? So the word of God is the only thing that lasts. I'm going to tell you that. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. I can remember growing up with nine sisters and three brothers, right? You guys seen the Hunger Games? Okay. My parents weren't wealthy, but like they made, they made ends meet. Like Every time my mom would go food shopping, like, we'd sit in the window and just, like, wait for her to come back because we were starving. We were hungry. And when there's a strong desire for something, it demands a response. So we're hungry, waiting for mom to come home. She comes home, and the food comes inside, and like rats, we devoured everything. But like meerkats, we were always alert, waiting on her, right? And I have nine sisters and three brothers. We ate some of them because we were so hungry. Um, so that, that hunger, like... It was satisfied for a moment, and the food never lasted more than two days. And, like, we like things that last. The food never lasted for two days. Just like our hunger, like, when, it's, when we're physically hungry, we eat and we stuff ourselves, but then, like, it's gone. But there's, a, there's another kind of hunger, and that's called a spiritual hunger. It's not sold in stores. You can't buy it. It's, it, it's in time with God. And Jesus... Jesus was a man. He walked this earth. Occasionally, he walked on water, but he walked this earth, and he got hungry too. Specifically, when he, before he started his ministry, he was fasting for 40 days. And Lucas says that he was fasting, and he ate nothing. And Marcus says that he was fasting, and there were wild animals. So 40 days, no food, wild animals running all over the place. I think this verse explains why I wasn't there with Jesus, because on day three, I would have been the one tempting Jesus with a coyote burger or something. (laughs) But the thing was that he knew why he was there. He denied himself the physical because he wanted to consume the spiritual. 
Everybody raise your hand. Everybody. Okay, catch this. God, <laughs> God wants to satisfy us. We need to let God satisfy us. There's three things that God spoke to me this week. One, don't kid yourself. Psalms 145 verse 16 says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Jesus didn't kid himself. He knew he was hungry. He was there and there's all these things happening, but he was hungry for the word of God. He was hungry for what God was going to give him. So he didn't settle. He wanted some Yahweh, right? And all he had to do and all he did was ask God and God opened his hand and he desired that craving. I mean, he, he, he satisfied that craving for his word. One, don't kid yourself. Two, consume in order to crave. You can't crave something you've never tasted. You have to consume the word of God. Like I said, Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Consume the word of God because whatever you consume comes out, right? <laughs> whatever you consume comes out. It comes out sometimes 10 years later, three seconds later, but whatever you consume comes out. Consume the word of God because it's going to come out. Consume people. Don't eat people, but hang around with people that are doing, that are eating God's food. Consume, like get your daily serving of serving. Serve people. Serve God, serve in every, everywhere you go, do something. Number three, focus on your own plate and enjoy it. Psalms 145 verse 15 says, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. I can remember like at Thanksgiving, we had the, the kids table and we had the adults table. The kids are like, they have the like macaroni and cheese and a, a Cheerio. But the adults, they have all the big food and you're always constantly looking at their plates, right? God gives us everything that we need, right? The portions may look different, but it's exactly what you need, even though it's not what you were expecting. It's what you need in that season, because he's going to give you what you need all the time in whatever season you're in. So one, don't kid yourself. Two, consume in order to crave. Three, focus on your own plate and enjoy it. I'm Alex Alexis. That's my $5 foot long. morning generation church morning. i don't know about you but i'm about to get encouraged this morning right <clears throat> so i've been sued i've been kidnapped and i fought in a war but this this was the toughest season of my entire life this was a season it would challenge everything that I believed, including my faith. This was a season when I lost all hope. Have you ever been there? See, I'd gone from making well over half a million dollars a year to no paycheck at all for over three. Drug my family completely across the country twice in less than 11 months. <laughs> I'd been the advisor to a Fortune 500 company CEO and president. From that to feeling completely alone and isolated, unimportant. Man, I'd gone from being on top of the mountain, <laughs> being in demand, to being nobody. Nobody even knew me. I remember one night I was crying out to my wife. 
I said, baby, I'm so sorry for leading you and the kids through all of this. I just feel like my whole life's a failure. I'll never forget how she looked at me and she smiled. <laughs> she said, I still believe in you. And your story's not finished yet. I'll tell you, at the time, I thought my story was finished. Has anybody else ever had your dreams shattered? Where your current circumstances, your current situation, felt like your permanent reality, and you just couldn't see past it? Yeah, that's where I was. But I got to thinking about it, you know. Your story's not finished yet. I said, you know, <laughs> she's right, as usual. <laughs> My story's not finished yet. <clears throat> I'm still right, and I don't like how this chapter's going. I think I'll start a new one. It wasn't quite that simple, but one of the things that I did was I, I got in my word, I got in the Bible, and I, I looked up a few other failures. I thought I might grab some encouragement from them, right? Stumbled on a fellow many of y'all might be familiar with. His name's Joseph. And you know, Joseph had dreams, too. He needed to learn when to share them and when to keep them to himself, right? But I thought, I thought about what it must have been like for him to be down in that hole that his brothers threw him in after he shared his dream. But you know what? Joseph's story wasn't finished yet, was it? Right? There's a little red-headed shepherd boy. His name's David. You might know about him, too. David's family thought so little of him. They didn't even invite him to the party when Samuel came in to anoint the future king. Talk about an afterthought. But you know what? <laughs> I'll bet Goliath really wishes David's story was finished there, huh? But David's story wasn't finished yet. And then there's Paul. We'll move on into the New Testament. Paul, who was stoned, not in the recreational sense, just trying to lighten it up a little. <laughs> he was shipwrecked. <clears throat> and he was imprisoned. And you know, Paul just did what Paul does, right? Or what he did then. He just kept on preaching the word. Passed from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. And he used it to his advantage, didn't he, Natalia? So, <clears throat> I was reading in Romans... Romans 8.18, I was encouraged by this. I hope you are too. It says, our current sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Let that get in you this morning. Romans 8.28, we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called? Yeah, you're right. You are. Listen, you've got so much favor on your church. Receive that this morning, will you? You already have the favor of God on you. You don't have to earn it. You've already got it. And all these things that we perceive as good or bad, they're all just part of our story. They're part of our God-given destiny. So take heart. One quick thing. 
Do this with me, if you will, this morning. Just take a deep breath. And let it out. You feel that? That's life. And as long as you've got that, your story's not finished yet either. My name's Greg Gorman. That's my five. God bless you. Morning, Generation Church. I want to thank Ben and Melissa for uh, allowing me to participate in the five-on-five. I have something awkward to tell you, so I hope that your response will be appropriate. Um, I want to tell you what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a tree. Um, And I appreciate Ben laughing. That's the right response. My wife was sitting about four rows back, and she doesn't know how to have have a relationship with a tree. So she was kind of confused, and we had to talk about it afterwards. So, Um, In Psalm 1, it says... Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth will prosper." You know, we, we as people like to focus on the things that we can see, so we like the prospering part. We like the abundance of a leaf that produces something of value. You look at the position of a tree. When God created it, they were always pointing up to their creator saying, give me what I need. I know that you can sustain me. And they would take that in. They would turn it into energy. The, the leaf is where all the energy is produced. And then you have the fruit that's That's in season. Nothing worse than a fruit out of season. It doesn't taste right. It doesn't have the minerals that it needs. It's not nutritious to the body. But the amazing thing is the fruit's not for the tree. The fruit doesn't do anything for that tree. The fruit is the abundance that the tree sends out. It gets consumed by the birds of the air. It gets consumed by you and I. It gets consumed from the the animals of the field. And it just gives it freely because of what we can't see. What don't we see when we're looking at this tree gloriously pointed towards heaven, producing fruit for everybody else, having all of its needs met? We don't see the root system. The roots are kind of underground. If I could give you details about the roots, you would be blown away what they can do. But the important thing about the root system is that they're big. A tree has a big root system. It has connections all over the ground with small, seemingly unimportant things. And the way that it makes those connections, according to the scripture, it says it's planted by the rivers of water. But what is that? That is the commandments of God. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. I just planted some trees on uh, on, uh, Friday, and uh, I was really disappointed that I don't have a river, because I have to water them day and night. You get planted by a river, and the river's constantly flowing. The river provides your sustenance. The river are the commandments of God. They start from the mountaintop, and they work their way down, very passively, very slowly, meandering down that mountain to reach the tree, providing it with all the nutrients, the melted snow, the pouring rain, captured by that tree to supply for all of its needs so that whatsoever it does will prosper. 
But how do you meditate on God's word? Well, it says he meditates day and night. You have to take it in day and night. And I, I didn't do this for the last two services, but I want to make it real practical for you. I want to make it real practical for me. You know, this is a new year. How do you meditate on something day and night? Well, if I were to ask you to go, go into your kitchen and go find a cup, is anybody worried about where they might find the cup in their kitchen? No, you know where it is? It's, it's where you placed it. It's where you put it. You don't have to remember where it is because it was positioned there. The tree was positioned in a place where you could always find the river coming. So I want to know how can you in your life, each one of us is going to be very different. How can you position yourself so that you're constantly next to that river, getting exactly what you need? You wouldn't go a day without food that you need. You would position yourself next to your refrigerator and, and then your stove. You would position yourself. I want to give you two, two commandments that God gives to position yourself with. The first one is Jesus was talking a lawyer was talking to Jesus, asked him what the greatest commandment was. He didn't realize he was talking to the law giver that was going to tell him the law. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Love is, a, is an interesting thing. You have to love the Lord the way that he wants to be loved. I'm a human, typically. And um, when I love somebody, my, my typical response is to love them the way I want to love them, not the way that they need to be loved. God desires us to love him the way that he needs to be loved. The second commandment is just like it. These are the things you can meditate on. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty selfish. I got a nice closet full of clothes, got a car, got all the food that I need. And I got all this time that I want to be mine. That, that tree that brings forth its fruit in its season, maybe your neighbor is going to eat some fruit of time from you. Because you have meditated on God's word saying, Lord, how do I meet that neighbor's needs? We live in a very affluent place here in South Florida. There's not a lot of real needs. There are some, and you've got to look for them. But sometimes people just need the fruit of the time of that tree because you're positioned by the river of water. You know, I want to thank the 5 on 5 team and being a part of it. It's amazing. I didn't study with these guys any of these subjects, but as I was listening this weekend and, and over the services, God's really put on my heart showing how when we position ourselves by the river of God, he supplies all of our needs. Do you remember what the river is? The river is his commandments. We start reading history, which if you break it down is his story. The reason that our stories tend to lose purpose is because we're not connected to his story. And so your story's not yet finished like Greg talked about when you're connected to his story and that river begins to flow and it begins it brings all these nutrients and rocks and minerals and and just the soaking of the water is good for the tree and it meets that need of that thirst and hunger that that tree has just like Alex talked about and that tree is able to supply all of the animals us from the abundance of that Hunger being filled with that constant, nonstop, flowing river of God's commandments. Well, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but the two things that I worry about, I'll just be blatantly honest, are debt and where am I going to get my next meal? Right? 
but a tree doesn't, doesn't worry about that. It, it knows where its next meal is coming from because it's planted next to a river that supplies all of its needs. And not only does it not have debt, it has abundance of fruit to feed others. And so you're not worried anymore because the supply lines, the supplications have been supplied in the river. And when you're full, when you're not worried, you go into a fight, you go into a contest. I was a I was going to say world-class athlete. I was an athlete. (laughs) And I knew that if I was going to play well in that game, it didn't matter if I trained, but I forgot to eat. If I, if I prepped myself and I, and I ate all I wanted, but I didn't train. If I didn't do these two things together, eating and training, and I didn't have any worries, that contest, I probably last, played basketball, probably last a quarter, two quarters, wear down couldn't make it to the end of the game but a tree planted by the rivers of water knows its story knows its purpose has its needs met meets the needs of others and is ready to fight bow your heads with me I wonder if there's some believers in here you know the Lord is your savior you know heaven is your home you live and you get to experience the abundant life but maybe you You experience it occasionally. Maybe you experience it sometimes. And maybe you want to know, how do I experience it every day? Not that it's an easy life. Not that it doesn't come with difficulties. But God is there to supply all of your needs according to his riches. Is there someone out there that says, Seiko, I raise my hand. I can use some of that water, some of that sustenance for 2014. Anyone like that? I see those hands here in the front, in the back, over there on the left side. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, I want to pray for these brothers and sisters. Lord, I know that they have a desire to be nourished by your water, by your commandments, Lord, that are so easy compared to the laws of men Lord your commandments are for our benefit they establish our relationships with you and with other people Lord you even reconcile our enemies to us I pray that these people that raise their hands Lord that you would bring them the rivers of water and that we would all get to experience the fruit that you supply to their lives in Jesus name keep your heads bowed with me there's another group in here, you know, there's, there's two types of people in this room. It's not boys and girls. It's not those who like decaf coffee and those that like regular. It's really those that have Jesus and those that don't. 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, it says, He that has the Son has life. The word life is a reference to, to two types of life. One is eternal, where you know your eternity is secure. That debt that you owe from the sin and the heartache that you, that you may have in your life, it's paid for, it's done, taken care of. And then you get to live an abundant life today. I wonder if there's somebody in here like that. Now, I didn't ask if you have church. I didn't ask if you hold a Bible in your hand. I didn't ask if you have money or, or if you have influence or if, or if you know the pastor of this church or if, you, if you're working in the ministry. I didn't ask any of that. I asked, do you have Jesus? 
And I wonder if there's somebody out there that says, you know what, Brother Chico, I don't know that I have Jesus. Can you raise your hand? Maybe you're a little nervous to raise your hand. Maybe it's, it's um, not something you feel comfortable doing. Maybe you don't know all the answers yet. And I, I promise you, you won't know them right away. But maybe you can just look up, look up this way and say, Brother Chico, I don't know that I have Jesus. Is there anyone like that? Yes, sir, I see you back there. Jesus wants to have you. That's why he's, God sent him to die for your sins. Is there anyone else? Sir, I want to lead you in a word of prayer. And everybody else can pray with us or for him. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I know that I could not pay for my sins by the stuff that I do, by the things that I say, by the places I go. But Lord, he could pay for my sin by his death on the cross. And because of that, I can have eternal life. I trust in him and I want abundant life. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome our brother into the kingdom.